Welcome to today's podcast. Excited to sit down with a great friend of mine. We're talking about using our God-given influence to see God-sized impact in the world. Sitting down with somebody who I would say is an influencer of influencers. And he's a great friend of mine. Had the opportunity. He's the reason I got to play basketball at Creighton <laughs> University. Thankfully, he took a chance on me. And uh, But sitting here with a good friend of mine, Bruce Rasmussen. Bruce, thanks for being here. Thanks for spending some time. Yeah, it's great to be here. And I, I didn't have a lot to do with <laughs> being here. I just remember you committed as a ninth grader. And that to make a decision as a ninth grader. I couldn't remember what I couldn't figure out what to wear as a ninth grader. Yeah, it was probably the last time I made a big decision like that <laughs> at such a young age. I think one of the main reasons, though, you guys were building a program. You were going to a new facility. You had to fill the stands, and you knew I was bringing 14, 13 siblings yeah. with me, a lot of cousins, <laughs> relatives. So it, it made some sense in the, the the grand scheme of things. But uh, excited to be here. We're in the Champion Center on Creighton's campus. I mean, your view, looking out here to the amazing practice facility, a lot of the greats that have played uh, here at Creighton University. As Before we get into just kind of some of the things I want to talk about, just give me a little background. Your family, you're married, you've got children, yeah. and then how long have you been here at Creighton University? Wow. Well, this would take the whole podcast <laughs> if you were asking your dad that question. <laughs> That's right. uh, I've been married for 42 years. Uh, my wife, Jill, has been amazing. Uh, she has made me better. You say 42 years? Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's amazing she's put up with me. Wow. She years. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she loves Jesus. Uh, she's taught Sunday school forever. Mm. She uh, uh, leads BSF uh, two days a week for kids that are, I think, three and four years old. And, and wow. How their minds, just to listen to them and what they have the capacity to do is amazing. Mm. But, uh, we've got five kids. So my wow. oldest is uh, 34, my youngest is 20, so there's quite a bit of age, ra age range yeah. between them. And uh, so I've been really blessed with five amazing kids. Mm. And, and, and how long have you been here at Creighton? Just tell us a little bit about your journey. I know you started off in the coaching side of things yeah. and then transitioned to the administrative side. Yeah, I, I came to Creighton in 1980. Uh, I was the women's basketball coach. We had no scholarships. Wow. We had no budget. Uh, I had. Did you guys have basketball hoops? Uh, we did. <laughs> we did, although there were games where it was hard to tell that. <laughs> but we were everybody's homecoming that first oh, year or two. Yeah. Uh, I bet. But uh, I also taught in exercise science. I taught okay. for eight years. I tell you, they, people ask, how do you get to be an administrator? And I say, well, you start out as a coach, and they find out you can't do that. They <laughs> teach, and they find out you can't do that. They make you an administrator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I became athletic director. I coached women's basketball for uh, 12 years, uh, taught in the classroom for nine, uh, loved being in the classroom. And then uh, I became the athletic director in 1994 mm. and have been AD since. Wow. So 1994, you became the AD. I mean, over the years, the athletic program here at the university has really grown and developed. I don't know how you maybe quantify it, but could you just give the listeners a picture of when you started as athletic director, where the organization was, and then yeah. today where we are? Well, Division One athletics has changed a lot, and there's good and bad to that. I think we've become too monetized, and mm. I think that causes you to lose your focus on what you should be about. What you should be about is you should be about not only helping 
young men and young women improve to the best of their abilities individually and as a part of a team in their sport. But if that's all you're doing, you shouldn't be coaching. Right. You shouldn't be teaching. You should be helping those young men and young women become better prepared to be leaders in their families, in their businesses, and in their communities. That's good. And sometimes as you become too monetized, your focus shifts. Right. But uh, when I first came to Creighton, we probably only had 10 or 12 full-time people. Mm. Uh, we only, uh, you, the Division One requirements were different at that time. You could be Division One in men's basketball and basically not have much else. Right. You know, we had we had a men's basketball, men's baseball, and uh, when I came, we added women's basketball. We hadn't had we'd had volleyball and okay. softball, mm. and we added women's basketball. But we went from at one time the NCAA required you to have eight sports. Then it was ten. Then it's twelve. Then it was fourteen. Wow. But we've gone, and when I came, pretty much everybody in the department also taught. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we have close to 100 employees. Uh, we have 14 wow. sports. Uh, our facilities are completely different. You know, mm. we had no sports on campus. We didn't compete in any sport on our campus. Wow. And now, you know, our women's basketball, women's volleyball, men's and women's soccer, baseball, softball compete on campus. Yep. Uh, but uh, our facilities it's have grown, and but, and while there's been a lot of changes, there have been some things that are have been constant. And Creighton has always attracted, I think, unbelievable young men and young women. Mm. As uh, a dad, who you look at it different as a parent, but as a dad, what I most appreciated about Creighton was the quality of young men and young women, my sons and daughters were around at Creighton. Yeah, that's good. And you good. lose that some as a parent when your kids go away to school. Mm -hmm. You lose some of your influence over them and you're at the mercy of who they choose to hang around with and, and have friendships with. But I could not have handpicked better people, more high caliber, mm. high quality, and I think we underestimate that at Creighton. So yeah. while... There have been a lot of changes. One of the constants has been we've always attracted outstanding young men and young women. Yeah. We've had great support from the community with quality donors. and Those things have been a constant. And I think in the growth of an organization or a program, it all starts at the top. And so you as the leader, I think one of the things you've done really well is you've brought in coaches who are incredible people. They've built teams yeah. and, and have the type of staff that identifies these young players and talent. And it's just kind of there's been that momentous effect. I mean, I just think of basketball. When I was growing up, I didn't even really know Creighton basketball existed. Yeah. And I grew up five minutes from campus. I remember being at a game, and there was maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people at a game at the Civic Auditorium. Yeah. When I went to Creighton in 2009, we went from the Civic to – at that time, what was it called at that time? Probably the Quest Center. Quest Center. Uh, Quest Center. Yeah. It's changed names several times. But, I mean, you went from a, th a couple thousand to around probably nine, ten thousand 10,000 to when I got there, we were averaging 15,000. I think the four years I was there, primarily because of me, they dipped in performance or <laughs> attendance a little bit. But literally in the last, I don't know, five, ten years, Creighton's in the top five to ten in national attendance. Yeah. In basketball, yeah. that's phenomenal. Yeah, and we're an outlier. We're an anomaly, yeah. really. When you look at, uh, it's it, we make it easier for people to stay at home and watch sporting events. Yeah. Okay. You got HD TV. You're 
five steps from your refrigerator, six steps from your bathroom. You don't have to park. Right. You get interviews with the coaches. You get replays. You yeah. get all of this stuff. So there's got to be a there got there has to be compelling reasons for people to come. Yep. And I think a lot of the reason, obviously, being successful helps. If you yeah. don't win, you're probably going to lose fans. But I don't think that's been the driving factor as much as it has been. You can tell by the way our players play that they love the game. Yep. They love each other. They're willing to play a role uh, for the betterment of the team. Uh, they execute the fundamentals of the game. They go hard. Uh, they understand that by improving the condition of one, you improve the condition of all. I think that resonates, yeah. and especially in an age where we have so much divisiveness. You know, if you're not, if you don't have the same politics, mm -hmm. don't want to associate with. If you don't have the same ethnicity, if yeah. you don't have the same religion, you don't have the same economic background, and yet when seventeen thousand come to our game, they're all Blue Jays. Yeah, I think there's a great yeah. lesson. Yeah, yeah, I think there are a lot of lessons there, but. That doesn't just happen. It happens when what you see, what you're witnessing, reflects what you want. Yeah. And so we we hope we can continue that. You, you talk about it, what you see is a reflection of what you want. And even earlier, before we started, we were talking about this idea of vision. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that we can't see and won't see until we look back. Did you have a vision for the athletic department and, and the way the basketball program has continued to grow and develop? Would you say that you're seeing what you've seen for years and it just had to get to the place where now you're actually experiencing it? Or is it kind of one of those things that you just kind of keep taking steps and then over the course of years, man, you arrive in a place like this? Well, it's a little bit of both. I would be dishonest if I said I saw this in yeah. my vision. but. Uh, but it is a snowball, you yeah. know. I mean, I I thought there were years where I'm saying, boy, what we're putting out, the product, we should have more people that come and want. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but it just, it's a snowball that you push and you push and it gets bigger and mm. bigger. But what started was I think that we're teachers. We're all teachers. Yeah. You know, and uh, so you want to hire people. The best way to to develop a culture is not to bring people in that are talented and then have them adopt your culture. It's to bring people in who have some talent, yep. but predominantly they have the culture that you want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we look at a Dana Altman and you yep. can look back and say, boy, there are things that happened that are not just coincidental. Right, right. Uh, in how we got Dana Altman to come. But Dana Altman was a great teacher of the game. Yep. Uh, he emphasized all those things that you want to see. It, kids play hard. They yep. play for each other. You can tell they love each other, the game. But he also had an ability to identify high-character kids. Yep. You look at the backbone of our teams at that time. Those kids were... The, the backbone of the team was high-character kids. Yep. That's and, good. and with Dana, he treated all the players the same. You know, whether you were the star player that was playing 35 minutes a game or whether you were a walk-on that was there just for the love of the game, yeah. they were treated the same. So I think that a lot of it had to do with identifying the right people with uh, with the right vision. Yep. And, you know, when you think about the hiring process, a lot of times we hire for skill. Mm. 
when we fire for attitude. Right, right, but right. You think about players That's who good. overachieved and players who underachieved. Mm. Those players for that overachieved, it wasn't just their talent, it yeah. was their attitude. Right, right. Okay? And those that underachieved right. wasn't their talent, it was there. So we need to do a better job in hiring and in recruiting and in identifying people we want in our yeah. culture. That's good. We want to, we need to do a better job of identifying their attitude, yeah. their heart. That's good. You know. I feel like we could do a whole, we need to sit down and do a podcast with you every single week because <laughs> we could talk about culture and leadership. And I mean, you are just a wealth of wisdom, insight. You're such a learner. You talk about being a teacher. You are such a learner. And that's one of the things I appreciate about you. But I want to hone in on this idea of influencing the influencers because that's what I see. One of the things that really stands out about you, we're here on this campus and uh, you've been a part of this process. We're looking out a window where we see guys like Kyle Corver and Anthony Tolliver and Doug McDermott and, and Kyrie Thomas and Just Patton, guys who have played here. Yeah. We're in your office looking at a wall and, <laughs> and you've got you know sports memorabilia from a variety of guys we just you mentioned before we got on the podcast, there's a building on campus named in your honor, which I know, you know, those types of things aren't what gets you up in the morning. But just for fun, tell us a couple of stories. You talked about Bill Russell earlier. I mean, yeah. what circles, what tables have you found yourself around that are just with people that you would have never envisioned spending time with? Well, it's a, it's amazing. And then when, when you look back and and to not answer your question directly first, but you, we talk about being able to look and see. You, yep. know, and you talked about vision. You know, those people that I have found to be most influential, we all look at the same thing. Mm. Okay, Those people that are most influential see it differently. Yeah. You know, and the difference between looking and seeing, but I've been so blessed in, in my vision I have better hindsight than, than foresight. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you whispering, this is the path, walk yeah. in it. And my hearing isn't very good either, <laughs> but because I haven't heard that voice, I haven't seen it. Yeah. But when you look back, you go, okay, this mm. is more than just coincidental that yep. this happened. Mm. You know, there's too many coincidences. Yeah. To say, well, okay, one, two, but every time you look back, you say, yeah. wait a minute. But I have been, you know, from a guy that grew up in, in Iowa in, in a community where we, it wasn't a big community, but there was the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. We were on the wrong side of the tracks, mm. but I had great influence from my parents. Wow. I had great influence from my grandfather. Uh, but everywhere I've gone, there have been things that have happened that you look back and say, Mm. This isn't just coincidental. Right. So I've been blessed to be, as a result of my position at Creighton, to be able to interact both in the national sports world, but even the local community, to be able to interact with people who are very successful. Yeah. Uh, and are influencers of, of their own. Yeah. And the best way you can be a leader, I think, and the best way you can have influence is to concentrate on being a better you. Mm. Best leaders are better you. Right. And secondly, to be servant-oriented rather than have people serve you. I mean, yep. for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Live his life as a yep. ransom for many. Yep. You know, so what I found is that it's one of the one of the questions that 
that you ask that when when my kids were young, I wasn't smart enough to understand this. They ask why all the time. You know? Why? <laughs> that's right. That's why, right. Why? That's right. It's the best way to learn. Yeah. Okay. God programs you. I mean, there you look at the human body as yeah. a computer. That's and good. at a young age, these kids learn so fast. They're not inhibited to ask the question why. Yeah. And so I think when you get with people to be able to find out about their heart. Yes. You know, what makes them tick? Why do they do what yes. they do? Why do they believe what yes. they believe? Not just, well, here's what you do. Yes. But here's why I do it. Here's yeah. why I believe it. So I try to get at their heart. Yeah. And to say, how can we help you? Yeah. You know, I believe in you. I care for you. How can I help? Yeah. Rather than, hey, I need you to help me. Yeah. And uh, I love that. Uh, so, you know, well, I love that you talk about the why and the motivation behind because some people can look at you and again, they can look at all your memorabilia and you've got signed autographs and talk about Jerry Rice and Bill Russell and John Elway and the list goes on. I mean, you are the the the, the committee chair for the NCAA basketball selection. You got, you were the one who had the privilege to be on TV <laughs> as they blasted. You know, they had to go it, it never... protection for like six months. <laughs> I mean, nobody's ever yeah. happy depending on which side you yeah. fall on. But you've been in these seats and these positions, and and people can try to attain that. But you talk about motivation and the why, and and obviously you are a person of faith. And so tell us a little bit about just your faith journey, okay. how God has strengthened your faith. And then you give out a book to, to, to the people that coach. And you gave me a book. And it talks about the why. And yeah. it talks about having the right purpose. Talk about that. So first talk about your faith and then, and then talk a little more about purpose. Okay. Well, I grew up in a Christian family, and I, I tell people that I had a drug problem when I was little. <laughs> Got drugged to church every week. You know? I love that. But as you get older, you appreciate the value of that. Yes. And when I went to college for four years, I taught Sunday school. Mm. Uh, and then, but, and I, I was baptized at an early age, but my faith at that time was more mind yeah. than it was heart and mm. soul. You know, That's love, good. love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. I was more of a mind. Mm. You know, I could get to the, the mental part of it, the reason for it, the, the rationale behind it. But I really became a heart person. Uh, I, I know exactly the time. Mm. Uh, it was in my first year of coaching, 1971. I mean... I don't even know if your mom and dad were born in 1970 when I was in Murray, Iowa. I've heard of that time frame before. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I was in Murray, Iowa, and a uh, little community. Why, why did I end up there? You know, you, you don't know <laughs> right, at the time, right. but you know, the Vietnam War was going on. My draft number was fairly low. Mm. Wherever I interviewed for a job, they asked me about my draft status, and it was like, <laughs> get out of here, because I was going to go. Wow. Murray, Iowa, I don't think had even heard of the war wow. or heard of the draft. But I, I taught every math class uh, in Murray from high school, junior high. Mm. I was the assistant football coach, junior high football coach, assistant boys basketball, junior varsity boys basketball, junior high boys basketball, boys and girls track. Yep. But the sport I wanted to coach was basketball. Mm. My first experience as a head coach, we had junior high boys. 
we had to put the seventh and eighth grade teams together because we didn't have enough kids. Yeah. We went and played at Creston, which was a big town. I think you've probably heard this story, but it's a town of ten or twelve thousand, so it was big. And I knew we had a week to get ready, and I knew we weren't going to be very good, but I didn't really know compared to others. And so we played. Creston was a big school. The uh, game was remarkably close mm. until the opening tip. <laughs> we got beat 32 to 2. Yeah. I got kicked out of the game. Wow. And I was mad at the ref. Mm. I was mad at my players. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the world. Yeah. Okay? And how can I show people what I can do as a coach when I got these kids that got no talent? And, mm. you know, I'm in this school. We're playing against these big schools. And, uh, and the ver that was on a Saturday. About this time of the year, 38 years, 48 years ago, mm. uh, Sunday morning I went to church. Wow. Okay. Uh, Murray, Iowa, Church of Christ. Mm. Jim Epperson was the pastor. He was talking about 1 Samuel 16, 7. Mm. Okay. Uh, God doesn't look at things the way man looks at them. Mm. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm. And his first story was about these... Uh, robbers that broke into a department store in the middle of the night. Mm. They didn't steal anything. They just changed the price tags on everything. Wow. And uh, the next morning, things that were of great value, two or $300, they put two or $3 price tag on, and things that were two or $3, they put two or $300 price tags. So they switched the price tags on everything. Said so the store opened the next day, and it was took till the afternoon before anybody figured out what was wrong. Mm. He said, how many of you, if you believe this story, raise your hand. Not yeah. Nobody believed that story. Right. And he said, I don't know why, because we do that every day. Mm. We say you're valuable because you make a lot of money, right. because you're physically attractive, because mm. you've got a doctor in front of your name. Right. And then he's looking at me and says, or because you can run fast, jump high, put mm. the ball in the basket. Wow. And if you can't do those things, you have no value. God mm. says you have a value because you are, wow. because of your heart. Mm. And, and then he went on to say, in the game of basketball, coaches make mistakes. Mm. Players make mistakes. Referees make mistakes. Going, yeah, amen. <laughs> he says, but God doesn't make mistakes. Wow. So mm. think about why you were put mm. Where you were put? Wow! When you were put? Mm. So I'm thinking, wow! He's looking right at me. Right. Okay. And how had I messed up? And then he went on to say, you know, really, your life is like a painting. You're given a canvas. Mm. You're given paints, and you're given brushes. You're wow. not given the same paints or brushes that other people are given. Isn't that great? Wow. Isn't it great that you're different, that people are different? Right. He said, some of you are so focused on what you don't have mm. that others have that you never paint a good picture. Wow. What, what kind of picture are you going to paint mm. with the paints and brushes you have? Mm. And I'm going, wow. Wow. So that really was when I changed from a mind Christian wow. to a heart Christian. Wow, wow. So, anyway. That's huge. I went out that afternoon and met with each of my kids mm. and asked them why. Why are you out? Wow. What do you want from me? Mm. You know what I found out? 
they didn't care how much I knew till they knew how much I cared. That's right. That's right. And uh, mm. I just I want to say that just in case anybody didn't hear that, you you went to your players and you asked them why, and and what you learned was they didn't care what you knew yeah. until they knew that you cared. Yeah. Which is a saying that I've heard before and we know, but there was such a deep conviction in you as you shifted from from viewing them in light of what you thought success was in your mind to then what God started to do in your heart. Yeah, and what you find out is that it is so easy to not get to the heart. Mm. You know, it's so easy to say, okay, I've got these responsibilities right. today. I've got it. We've got to get better. Mm. But I didn't, I was so busy telling them what I wanted from them mm. that I didn't find out what they needed from me. Wow. And I found out that I became a much better leader mm. when I served them. That's right. Rather than having them serve me. Wow. So I said, okay, what do you want? Mm. What I found was they, they had a heart for the game. You know, so many kids, it's like, we got to go to practice. Right. You know, we got to get up early. We had practice 7 in the morning. We right. got to get up early. You know, we have to train. We have to give up this. We have to do that. They were excited about the opportunity. Mm. And what a good way to live, isn't it? Wow. You know, instead of, I can't wait till 4.30. Can't right. wait till the weekend. I can't right. wait till vacation. They were excited to come to practice. Mm. It wasn't like we had to practice. We get to practice. Right. And uh, it was a great lesson for me. Mm. Uh, but... But uh, what I found was that these kids had a great heart for it. It right. was just they didn't have the background. So, you know, there, again, there's, there is so much knowledge in the world today. All you have to do is go to your iPad, right. your iPhone, you Google, and if you don't get an answer within five seconds, you're right. frustrated. What's right. taking so long? There's an absence of wisdom. Mm. We have so much knowledge That's and good. not enough wisdom. Mm. And somebody once said that the difference between wisdom and knowledge is that knowledge is like the grass and wisdom's like the wind. Mm. When the wind blows, the grass bends. Wow. We don't have enough wisdom. Mm. But where do you go for wisdom? Right. Okay? You look at godly wisdom. Right. And there's a verse in James that says yeah. everyone should be quick to listen, right. slow to speak, mm. slow to become angry. Mm. I, was old, oh, I was over three. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's a lot well, worse loss than 32 yeah. to two, you that's, know. That's but, uh, but what I found was when I listened to these kids, mm. each of them had a heart, each wow. of them had a value, mm. uh, and they, they had a strong desire to do. Mm. Uh, and so that's resonated with me, you know. That has been the basis of my thoughts, not yep. only on how to coach, mm. but how to teach, how to be a parent, how to be a leader, mm. and what to look for in others. Yeah, and so, so good. I think, you know, if you ask me what our culture was in athletics here, I'd say we have a lot of people who are excited to come to work every yeah. day. You know, yeah. you look and you say, we haven't had a lot of turnover. Mm. And a lot of that is who they're around. Right. And you have other people who want to be here, excited to be here, want to get better. Yeah, that's good. As coaches, we ask our players to be better today than they were yesterday. Mm. Right. Say, if we're going to get done what we need to get done, 
we need to be better today than we were yesterday. So yeah. what are you going to do? And you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, mm. but you have to, it's almost an opposite. You have to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right, right. right. But that's what I, every morning I, I do a devotional, and one of the things I ask every day is, what am I going to do today? Mm to be better than yesterday. Wow. Because 18 to 21 year olds cut through the crap fairly quickly. Right. You know? Right. So if you as a coach are saying, I want you to be better today than right. you were yesterday, so when we go in the gym, what are you going to do? Mm. Your players are looking and saying, are you walking the talk? Right. right. What are you doing to be better today than you were yesterday? Mm. And uh, so that's one so of good. the challenges every day. Yeah. Uh, that you so say, good. okay, what am I going to do today? And it isn't, what am I going to do? What am I going to accomplish? But what am I going to do to make me more in the image that God wants from me? Right. Why am I here? That's good. You know, why am I here? Where, when I'm here, where I'm here, yep. why am I here? That's so good. So you say, okay, what am I going to do today to do what God wants me to do mm. more than I did yesterday? Yep. That's and, so good. Yeah. Man, so, so powerful, <laughs> you know. As we're talking about using our God-given influence to see God-sized impact, a lot of it, it starts with, it's not what we do, but it's who we're becoming yeah. and who God has created us to be. The picture you talk about uh, that we're called to paint and you talk about motivation. And I'll tell you what, if, if we don't remember anything, the idea that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And you've modeled that, you've demonstrated that for me. I think I've been out for 10 and a half years and you have made it a habit and a priority. I mean, you're one of the busiest guys I know, but whenever I've called or have wanted to get together, you've made time for me. And and every time we get together, <laughs> I mean, this has stuck with me, but you always ask, what do you need? How can I help? And your, your team around you does the exact same thing. Hey, Josh, anything I can do to help? How can we serve you? How can we help? And, and so you've consistently modeled that and, and you've helped me really look at the motivation of my heart as I'm interacting with people and say, wow, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I add value to the people around me and not just try to get people to do something for me? Yeah. And it's the core, I think, of what real influence is. It's, it's, it's living in such a way where people want to engage with us because they know we're going to add value to their life. Yeah. And then you talk about every day, you say, I got to get better. I gotta grow. I want to be a better person, a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. And inviting God, we we pray a prayer, Lord, change me, so that you can use me to change the world. Yeah. And if we can just take small steps every single day, yeah. man, the impact that that has. Yeah. I, I, just thinking, as people are listening, I mean, what are some last final thoughts, words of wisdom that you would share? People who are saying, man, I want to grow in my influence. I want to really be somebody who influences influencers. What would you say to them? Well, the first thing is just to concentrate on being a better you. That's good. But also, everybody that you come in contact is better than you in some way. Wow. You know, athletics, there are so many lessons you can learn from athletics, but I think you have to be intentional in helping to teach some of those things, too. But, yep. you know, the best teams aren't those teams that necessarily have the best talent. Mm. Uh, you have to have talent, 
but they recognize the talent of everybody on the team and they use that talent. Yeah. And they they recognize that by improving the condition of one, we improve the condition of all. That's good. But a good message for fans and for others is this. You know, we have we have kids on our teams that if you saw them in the mall or you saw them at a restaurant, yeah. if you didn't know they were Creighton basketball players, you wouldn't have a thing to do That's with right. them. You'd walk right by yeah. them. That's right. But you know they're Creighton basketball players, and you're a Creighton person. Yeah. So you uh, engage with them, yep. and you find out, even though they look different than you, yep. they have different background, they have different values, that they have a value. That's good. And that they are better than you in some way. Mm. And it's so that it's hard to be around athletics for as long as I have, and even as a slow learner, not learn those things. Yeah. And I, so I think that it takes a humility, mm. the humility to say others are better than me. Yep. I think it takes a gratitude to say, boy, have I been blessed. Mm. Let's not focus on what I don't have. Yep. Let's look at what I do have. Yep. And then it takes a uh, uh, empathy mm. to say, I care enough that I'm willing to reach out and say, how can I help? I believe yep. in you. I love you. I care for you. How can I help? Mm. And that's, to me, that's the hardest. Yep. Uh, because, you know, somebody talked about the difference between apathy, sympathy, and empathy. And you can use uh, the Good Samaritan story yeah. with that, though. But apathy is, okay, you got problems. Right. You're not my problem. Right. Okay? Sympathy is, boy, I feel for you. Yeah. I support you. I'm behind you. You can be so far behind them. <laughs> you know? But That's right. empathy is, I'm getting in the hole with you, yeah. and I'm going to help you get out of here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, if, if there's one thing in the Bible that stands out is the word love. Mm. You know, the two most important uh, commandments. Love yep. the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. I yep. mean, the Bible is filled with love. Mm. And so you've got to, in the end, it's about relationships. Yep. Okay, what's your relationship with your Savior? Mm. And what's your relationship with others? Yep. It's vertical, it's horizontal. Yep. So what are your relationships? So I would just tell people to look at everybody as it's good. being better than you. Yep. And find out what their heart is. Yep. Don't just say, there's this body, but right. what is their heart? It's and good. when you sit down, I don't care who you sit down with. Mm. When you sit down with somebody and you take the time to find out more about their heart, mm. you find out they have a value. Yep. They have a value. It may be different than yours, yep. but they have a value. And there's a reason God put them there at that mm. time. That's so good. And so I just think that has to be a habit. Mm. And when I have when I have trouble, I go back to that yep. and find out that here's where I'm missing. Yep. But if and if you look up the word love in the Bible, you know, and you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and the first half of it tells you why love is so important. But what's the first, what's the first bullet point in what is love? Mm. Patient. Mm. Love is patient. Yep. It's kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Is not proud. Is not rude. Patient. Mm. I don't have to go beyond number one. Right. It isn't going to happen in one day. Right. It's day after day after day. That's so good. the message I would give to people is you have to be patient. Mm. But patient doesn't mean sit there. Patient right. means abide at a time. Yep. You know, be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Yep. But mm. a lot of times when I find I've got problems, it's because 
I don't have to go beyond patience. Yep. And I don't have to go beyond, I didn't take the time to find out why. Yep. To it's hear good. the other side of the story. Mm. You know? Yep. So good. Before we can influence others, we've got to first, first be influenced yeah. and changed on a daily basis. We've got to have the right motivation. And I hear you saying too, if we're going to have influence in the lives of others, we've got to take interest in them, regardless Absolutely. of where they are. Yeah. James chapter 2, I believe, yeah. it talks about this idea of treating people differently based on the value they can bring. Exactly. And one of the best ways we can influence anybody, it's a habit, it's not just something we can do. And so start wherever you are. Take interest in the people around you. Get yeah. to know them. Don't walk by people yeah. all because they're different than you. Find out really what makes them tick, what's at the heart of who they are. And as a result, you'll find yourself in places that you could have never imagined because God will open doors because of how he's changing you and using you. Yeah. Seriously, we could talk all day because I just want to keep asking you questions and keep pulling insight and wisdom. But this has been so good. Thank you so much for spending some time sharing, giving us an insight into your influence, how God is using you to influence those who are influencers in our city, our community, and around the world. Bruce Rasmussen, thank you so much. Well, thank you. And you've been a tremendous influencer of me. And so has your dad. Yeah. So has your family. Mm. Well, appreciate it. Well, we say all the time, we believe God's given every single one of us influence. And we're called to steward that influence, use it to impact the world around us. You don't have to do everything, but God has gifted you to do something. And we just want to encourage you to find out what that is and uh, take a step every single day to keep growing in that.